friends, I'm Phil Bowermaster, and you're listening to Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of the Speculist weblog, and you can find us online at speculist.com, or you can go straight to blog.speculist.com if you want to skip a step and get straight to the good stuff. On Fast Forward Radio and on the Speculist, we talk about emerging technologies, emerging possibilities. We talk about a future that's coming that we think is going to be very much worth living to see. And with me, as always, I have my co-futurist and co-blogger, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you, man? Well, I'm great, and you must be riding high off the BCS National Championship game last week. I am. My uh, my state's team, LSU, uh, won, uh, and uh, it was it was a big deal. We uh, did not think that they were even going to be in the game uh, a couple times during the season, and then they just everything just worked out worked out well for them, and uh, they became the first uh, team to ever win that championship with two losses. So it, is that right? Okay. That's right. So. Very first time. Uh, it's always been a one-loss team in the past, uh, but it just everything kind of fell into place for them mathematically. It's, I, you know, I, I don't I don't claim to have any understanding of how that all works, but uh, it all fell into place for them, and they managed to get to the game and then win it. And it was an exciting game too. It wasn't, you know, how sometimes uh, you know the Super Bowl or our various championship games can kind of be dull. Somebody just one runs team away just, with it, and then it's all over. And, yeah. yeah. Well, this one wasn't like that. Not for me. I. Uh, it seemed to me that Ohio was in the game all the way to the end, although they were behind uh, from basically the second quarter on. But um, they they never gave up, and they kept and they played hard, and uh, it was a fun game to watch. Well, that must make it exciting when they're behind most of the game, and you know you're kind of on the edge of your seat and. But yeah. then they pull it off. I had a sinking feeling after during the first quarter. I mean, it was ten ten nothing Ohio, and uh, um, it seemed like LSU had had a case of the jitters, which is understandable, you know. Well, sure. Uh, but they they got they got themselves together. Although it's, it's hardly their first time uh, playing on the national stage. I mean, they they've been around before, right? Or well, you know, those particular players probably it is. Oh well, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean for the franchise, but uh, it's always a different team. Uh, yeah, that's right. Every college. year it's a it's a new set of guys. Sometimes uh, you know maybe maybe they play two or three years, but uh, at the most, but uh, this is a this is the first time for those guys. And so yeah, you can imagine that they were they, had a, they were a little jittery. So what was what was the final score? Um, shoot, I think it was like thirty-eight to twenty something. I you know I, I'm sorry, I, I, I you know I, I did not. Yeah, uh-huh. you knew that LSU won. I mean, yeah, it was it was, it was a clear win. I can, team won. So. Yeah, so okay. it, but it was a great game. I, if you if you missed it, it was a good game. Well, I didn't actually get a chance to watch all of it. I think I had it on for a few minutes, but I was doing other things. But uh, I did, uh, of course, it was all the talk that they had won, and we've been tracking LSU's progress here on Fast Forward Radio since baseball season, really, um, since since we started the show on on on. Uh, uh, blog talk radio. I think we. Uh, and you know, we kind of laughed at the time because uh, you know uh, we just ha- you know just happened to bring it up because you know we're this is a show about the future. You know, we're a couple of futurists. You know, people don't listen to this show for sports talk necessarily, but and here it, we are it, doing our first three or four minutes uh, talking. About sports <laughs> yeah, well, and it, it, just, it just became kind of an ongoing segment. You know, right. we find it interesting. Therefore, sorry guys, y'all get to hear about it. That's right, you get to hear about it. But now, I guess. Having uh, having a, a established LSU is the national championship. Football season is uh, over. I guess we can. Uh, well, uh, you know, Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks, but we haven't really tracked the NFL. Nah, nah, the Broncos that, have been out of it, and that's been quite a while. College ball is always. I'm always so much more in tune with college ball than than, than the pros. Well, there you go. So, so really, no, we, probably we, no more sports until next football. I was, was going to say we can we can retire the sports feature until uh, well spring training starts. Uh, March, yeah, right. in a month. <laughs> we, can, we can pick it back up then. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, maybe we'll find uh, some other interesting topics to talk about. And in fact, that is one of the um, one of the things we need to get out there about this evening is that we don't have a guest tonight. And maybe yeah. you'd like to say a word about that. Well, you know, um, the thing the thing is, we have had some outstanding guests. I don't, you know, we have what's something like this is like almost our thirtieth show. It's like in the upper twenties we've yeah. done, and. Um, we have had a bunch of guests uh, over the two or three years we've been doing this, Phil, and, and we've never had a dud, as far as I'm concerned. I've never had a guest that I went, you know, I really wish we hadn't 
had that person on the show. They Absolutely. they didn't contribute. They I didn't learn anything from them. It, I've not we've not had a single person like that. No, they've all been they've all been fascinating. They've, I mean, it's been an honor to talk to just about everybody we've had on the show, and it's been uh, it's been terrific uh, talking with some of these folks. And I have to say. Uh, keeping true to what I said, I think it was two weeks ago tonight that PJ has to be up there in the top couple or three uh, all-time guests, right? In case she's listening. <laughs> That's right. And uh, you know, uh, and Tobias as well. From last week, we just uh, you know we've we've made some good friends. We've learned a lot from every one of these guests. You know, I think though that tonight we're we're going to have something unusual in, in a sense because without a guest, you know, we're going to have to hit the news hard. And we've got so much to talk about. Tonight, the news is the guest. Right, right. So we'll let the future be our guest. <laughs> That's right. On Fast Forward Radio, which is, uh, which is only appropriate. And it gives us a chance to catch up on uh, some of that because we've not spent a lot of time talking about big developments or the kinds of stories that catch our attention over the last, uh, uh, last few weeks when we've done the more guest-oriented shows. So I think it's probably good that we do this every, every now and then, have a show that's just uh, – just the two of us talking about the big stuff going on. So where shall we start? Well, you want to start with the biggest thing uh, or work our way up to that? Work our way up to that. Let's work our way up to that. Let's start with that. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start, and then let's talk about the uh, the no sleep pill then. You were kind of following that. Well, yeah, that was uh, that was a really interesting one. That, that's been uh, about a week ago that I put that up. Um, and it's actually, I think it's more uh, in the nature of a nasal... Uh, Hormone, I think, is is the way it works, but it's uh, it's it's research that DARPA has done, and they've come up with this drug that eliminates sleepiness uh, via a nasal spray um, uh, that uh, that kicks off that it triggers this this hormone in the brain that then then tells your body you don't need sleep after all, uh, and and they say that the spray has worked actually quite well in lab experiments with no apparent side effects. And uh, they have this hope that it's going to be a sleep replacement. So, uh, you know, DARPA, obviously, they would have an interest in soldiers out in the field or pilots or anybody who, uh, you know, on on the defense side of things is pulling a long shift. Uh, We can can condition for a lot of things, but it's really hard to take away that need after, you know, 36 hours or so sometimes these guys pull. Eventually, you've got to fall asleep. I mean, uh, you, you can pump people up with different kinds of stimulants you can have them drinking coffee you can you know you can you can give them speed you can there's all kinds of things you can do but eventually the need to sleep kicks in but with this drug apparently um what happens is it just throws the switch and suddenly boom uh the need to sleep is is gone and it's just as if you were rested and ready to go and uh, you know pretty much any job it's not just soldiers i I can imagine just about just about any job that require that Sleep, you know, being sleepy is a dangerous thing. You would benefit, you know, if you're a long haul trucker. Absolutely, a truck driver, bus um, driver, anybody. Surgeon. With that, well, and you think about um, medical students and these residents, right? Doctors who are first starting out, they put them on these shifts where they run, uh, you know, two or three days at a time, right? The 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 whole fighting against uh, needing to sleep is a, is a huge thing that they encounter all the time. So yeah, it seems like there would be there would be major applications uh, of this sort of thing if it pans out for for people in a lot of different fields. And also just you know you think about college students. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the big test is tomorrow. <laughs> I, I have to stay awake. I, you know I I I've, I've still got uh, you know half a textbook of geology I need to read in order to take the test tomorrow morning. So you know I tried to pull a couple of all nighters uh, like in my freshman year in college. I found it was counterproductive and uh, uh, I, I quickly you know learned better time management skills so i didn't have to um but i you know i suppose if if you had if you had a drug like that then you know it could uh it could help you in a crunch that is very commendable Stephen. i have to say because i pulled all-nighters throughout my entire college career and uh, <laughs> well maybe i was just lazy phil and you were and you were, and you were the one that was doing right but you just decided they were counterproductive right ah, i won't learn anything i'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah i'm going to bed i don't care but you haven't studied, Steve. Well, I don't care. I'm going to bed. Um, so, so I'm looking at this as um, if if the thing pans out, it might help people like myself who have a major coffee addiction going on. Because um, what this does is it gives you um, a completely clear and awake frame of mind so that you're able to tackle whatever uh, whatever task you're facing. But beyond that, we start looking at you know kind of more speculative sort of questions about this. You say, well, 
what if this thing pans out and this hormone really is the key? Your body doesn't actually, it turns out, require sleep, right? right. It's just something that, uh, and, and there are actually evolutionary, there, there are various evolutionary theories as to why we sleep. And uh, I, I don't know what the definitive answer is, but one that I heard about that I found was just absolutely fascinating was that it protected us from predators, how so? I mean, because uh, predators can eat you while you sleep. Well, they can eat you while you sleep, but they have to find you. So it was like this this method of becoming inactive while it was dark outside, so that uh, you'd be a lot harder for the predators. To eh, I don't buy that. I'm I'm sorry, Phil. That doesn't that doesn't strike me as as right because uh, you know um, the predators sleep too, even at the, those at the top of the food chain. Yeah, well, but of course it didn't evolve as a human characteristic. It evolved much lower down. Uh, evolutionarily speaking, for less evolved prey and less evolved predators, but that that's where sleep originally came from. Anyway, there's, there's, <clears throat> there's a number of different theories as to, as, as to why we sleep, but all, yeah. all of them lead to um, a, a kind of, it, you get into the, the counterfactual. You know, we, we talk about stuff, like, in fact, we'll be talking about in just a little while, uh, stuff that goes against the grain like combating aging. What about combating sleep? What if you could live your life without having to take eight, nine, seven, whatever hours out of your life every day. Um, like maybe sleep, you know, a few hours on the weekend and then spend the rest of the, the, rest of the week awake. Exactly. Something like that. Um, well, you know, it, it certainly could be productive, but, you know, we got into a discussion in the comments. When you posted that, there was a couple of people that came in and said, you know, I kind of like sleep. You know, I like at the end of the day, you know, you know uh, chilling out you know, hanging with your loved ones, going to bed. You know, I mean, that's the whole process is is a human social thing, and, uh, and you know, I'd hate to have to do without that. I, and I can understand that point. You know, that's that's right. Oh, sure. And, um, you know, we, we, sort of, we live our life with a certain rhythm, and part of that rhythm is at the end of the day we, you know, check out for about eight hours, you know. Um, I, and I, and I, I can see that. I, to me... Um, in, I would, it would be something I would want to use just occasionally, even if there were no side effects at all, and 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 I, w- I would probably just stick with my normal, my normal habits, uh, and and just use it on occasion when I thought I really when I had a project or something that needed to be done. But you know, see, I would counter that what we've done here is we've made a virtue out of a necessity, right? Yeah, we, we've we've you know, in the same way that um, uh, we 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 build a lot of uh, uh, ritual around uh, the daily meal, right? Um, because ultimately we have to eat or we starve to death, right? I mean, is, is, is the ultimate thing. It's like, well, there's no choice but that we have to go to sleep. Therefore, we've got social constructs that go around them. But if we didn't sleep, if we never had to sleep, we'd have different social constructs, and our lives would still be pretty cool. I think, uh, you know, I, we, we. But you're right. We would lose something in the process. Well, uh, um, and uh, let me bring up a, another point. What if, okay, let's just say that, you know, you, we, we're of two totally different mindsets about this. The drug comes along. There's no side effects at all. You decide you're going to use it all the time, and you go about your life, at, you know, using it. And I use it on occasion when I've got a major project or something. Right. And, you know, but, but, much, but much of the rest of the world starts using it more and more. Who's going to get it left behind? Right. Yeah, right. Me. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's. The and so, um, you know, sometimes uh, you just, you know, one person doesn't decide how how the world works. It's 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 uh, it, that that sort of thing is rather democratic. We, uh, you know, what I would use all that time to do. Let's face it, Stephen. I mean, I want to be very frank and honest with you here. I'd be blogging, okay? Okay. So I'd be getting like five or six good posts in every night while you were snoozing, okay, pal? That's, so. that's, I wake up, I have all this interesting <laughs> stuff to read, but I have not contributed at all to the blog. That's right. I mean, yeah. I would just own that blog at that point, okay? You'd have, you'd have no chance to catch it up. That's right. But I can't think of, I can't think of how else, though, you, you would really... I mean... It, it, well, the, you probably have another job, or your your job, actually, instead of being a... An eight-hour-a-day job might turn into a twelve or thirteen-hour-a-day job, and then you have another twelve hours to spend with your family or whatever. You know. Well, that I mean, that is the the, the insidious uh, the insidious part of it is that um, employers might just start to expect uh, that uh, you put thirteen hours in a yeah, day. You know, hey, you everybody does it. You know, yeah. 
come on, you're on, you know, you're on salary here. You're not being paid hourly. Yeah, you've yeah. got more work to do, right? Yeah. And they could, uh, they could really load it on. So there, there's, there's all kinds of, um, I don't know, positive, more positive and less positive possibilities for that. So I, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of hard to get your head around, though. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to imagine really living that way, to, to, to think, you know, because. I mean, I can't even I can't even frame a day, right? Because right. to frame a day, you say, well, you get up every morning and blah. But here, you wouldn't get up every morning. You know, <laughs> you're already awake. You would. Well, you know, technology has a way of uh, of uh, reengineering our lives, whether we like it or not. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, when I graduated from college, just a few short years ago, I had never been on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, the only cell phone I ever saw was like in Wall Street, you know, where what's his name's walking on the beach, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, Michael Douglas. Yeah. yeah. With the with the lunchbox sized, you know, cell phone. Nobody had cell phones, and uh, you know that's so it's um, you know everybody has them now, and we're all on the internet, and, and our lives are much different because of it. Um, that drug became available. It, you know, it's just, it's just like another piece of technology. So it's hard to know. How our lives would be different. So. We shall see. That's right. So where do we go next? What uh, What's our next hot news story we want to touch on? Well, I guess we could uh, go into an energy topic. Um, okay. y- you know, we recently had Zubrin on the show, and he has warned us that pretty much, you know, we should not expect gas prices to go down. Right. And uh, I'm kind of of a mind that he's probably right. Well, now we see a uh, a vehicle coming out called the Nano. It's not, you know, it's it's going to be sold in India and going to be sold in, um, you know, China probably, but India first, right? And uh, in other developing countries around the world. If you haven't seen a picture of it, you can come to our show notes and we'll have it there. But let me just kind of describe it. It looks just, it looks a little bit like a Volkswagen Bug. Uh huh. Kind of a squared off Bug. Yeah. Sort of. Um, well, sit for adults, but you can't be a huge adult. You know, no, no, no big huge people. But it's right. gonna, it, it would sit for adults. You know, semi comfortably, and um, and if you're in the developing world, uh, there'll probably be four adults with room to spare. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, uh, but it's um, four adults, and uh, the car costs. Here's the here's the kicker. Uh, the car costs two thousand five hundred dollars U.S. Wow. And um, so you're talking about a car, bringing a car to people. And that would allow people to buy their first car ever, and lots and lots of people to have their first car ever. Um, and you know, you can't. You blame know, just by way of comparison, what would the next cheapest car be? I mean, I don't even really know what is the the entry level. I, I have no idea. Hey, you know, and I, I, I'm sure it's not a car that's sold in this you know, in, in this country. Right. The cars in this country are naturally going to be more expensive, not only because you know people kind of have an expectation of paying minimum, you know, what fifteen thousand dollars. Right, but also because we have so many safety, you know, stuff that's added on into cars. We've got the safety glass. We've got you know collapsible steering columns. We've got uh, airbags, you know, uh, analog brakes. All of these things are like mandated, and uh, they're expensive things. You know? you know, they're they're expensive in more ways than one. One of the uh, one of the things I think it was in Zubrin's book. I'm not completely sure, but somewhere I read recently that. Do you remember back in the 70s when? Um, we first got concerned about foreign oil, and, and there was this first push for meeting uh, higher uh, uh, fuel efficiency. Yeah. yeah, fuel efficiency standards. Yeah, yeah. And and Detroit was coming out with cars that got really pretty darn good gas mileage. Right. And, and in fact, a lot of the cars you see today don't get nearly as good a gas mileage as those cars did. And well, one of the uh, because we're driving tanks now. It, it's but sort not, of, well, clearly the tanks are going to be different. But but yeah. but the, the 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 vehicle that they pointed out was like the Honda. What is it? CR CRX, CRV. What's it called? That uh, little Honda sports car. Whatever it's called. I'm sorry, I don't know. CR something. Okay. Um, I think it's a CRX because uh, the 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 new version of that that came out in 2008 actually gets less. Uh, Good gas mileage. Its gas mileage is actually quite a bit uh, less impressive than the one that they first came out with back in the 80s. And the reason is because all these safety features, you know, then this is apples to apples, same vehicle, right? Right, right. We're not talking about because you're driving a tank. We're talking about because you're driving a car built in the regulatory environment we have now. 
and the cars just have to be heavier. They have to have a lot more stuff in them, and they just can't. In order to be crash-worthy, they have to be bigger. They have to have more mass. They have to be bigger and heavier. That's exactly right. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, and so that's another way that those things cost us money. Now, I mean, you know, you're, if you're in a crash, you're going to be glad to have all those things, crumple zones, oh, sure. collapsible steering columns and all that. Uh, yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, if you're in the developing world, you don't pay for that stuff. You, you know, you, you know, it's, it's, it's like 1940. And, you know, the cars we had in 1940, that level of safety, that's perfectly acceptable in India and China and other developing countries. That, you know, and, and uh, as they develop, they're going to demand more safety, just like we did, but it's, they're not there yet. And so they're more concerned about getting in their first car. Right. Which is understandable. And, uh, you know, and I don't blame any of these people for wanting cars. And, uh, there's, there's a lot of good that will come of people, more people having cars. Uh, it will advance the world economy, you know, um, which is good for the entire world. But, um, there's going to be more people chasing the same amount of petroleum, even if, even if we don't see the peak oil nightmare, there's going to be more people um, chasing the same amount of oil out there, and uh, therefore it's, oil and gas is not going to come down, and in, in fact it will probably go up. In now, price. one thing we can say for the Tata Nano is that it probably gets very good gas mileage. Probably so, but, you know, you put a million of them on the road. Or a hundred million. Yeah, exactly. And right. you, start, you start seeing that, yeah, it's going to be... That 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 starts to affect our our gas prices and everything. And again, you know, I don't blame them or hold that against them at all. They, you know, I would want my first car, you know, if sure if I was a farmer living in some remote place in India, I, I would, I would, you know, that'd be a dream come true. So I you can't just, you can't begrudge them that. But just, it, but just this past week, went out with my daughter and helped her buy her first car. You know. <laughs> all right, that's awesome. What yeah, car I mean, did you get for? Hey, well, it's a it's a Subaru Outback. Okay. We're actually oh, a three Subaru family now. Okay. You know, um, those are Glenn those Glenn are nice cars. Car sponsorship for his podcast. Maybe we can. <laughs> yeah, we need Subaru for uh, something. Yeah, yeah, we love a Volvo or something for him. <laughs> yeah, I think his is Volvo. Yeah. Yeah. Which I hear are also very good cars. Yeah. So. There you go. I'm just throwing it all out there. I'm sorry. That was a <laughs> bit of an aggression, but I'm just saying. Yeah, it's a you know it's a, it's a, a major. Um, uh, growing up point in our right. culture, you know, when you when you get your first car, it's a it's a rite of passage to to, to get your first car. That's right, and it's important. You have to have it. I mean, she needs to go into school. She needs to be able to get around and people in other. Ditto for the guy in the remote village in India. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, it's going to be uh, you know more people wanting to to get around and be mobile, and uh, so you can't blame them. But at the same time, it's going to affect our gas prices and. Uh, and so what do, what do we do about that? Well, we've kind of covered this ground, you know. Um, we're going to have to look at biodiesel. We're going to have to look at flex fuel. We're going to have to look at uh, better batteries and our capacitors to store electricity to go up and down the road with. Uh, and ultimately, I think we need to go to nuclear power for, uh, for our electricity. So, um, you know, we as a country need to, I mean, make a Manhattan-style or Apollo project-style program to to move in that direction i think but anyway well one of the one of the things that's interesting about this is when you look at it um this demand is not just the demand that we'll be facing right as as the new indian drivers the new chinese drivers come online they're going to be facing the same level of demand so i wonder if india is looking at alternative fuels i wonder if they're looking at flex fuel vehicles i know that uh, as we talked about briefly last week, somebody in India is talking about uh, coming to market with a compressed air car. Right. Um, which and, and in Brazil, they're, they're the they're the original flex fuel guys, basically, right? Um, Brazil has flex. You know, they they're doing uh, burning all kinds of things down there in their engines, aren't they? Well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, mean, so. I mean, they 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 started out with this decision that they would um, not have to import any oil at all, and they just grow all their fuel in the form of uh, sugarcane, which they would then turn into ethanol and and burn that. But at some point, um, I think it was in the 80s, the p- price of gas dropped so low that it was actually a better deal to burn gas than it was to burn uh, ethanol. And that's when they made the switch to flex fuel. 
Right. It was a very prescient move on their part because they said, you know, they didn't say, oh, we've got to switch from ethanol back to gas. They said, wait a minute, if the, if the price is going to vary and the availability of fuels is going to vary, we want to be able to uh, have one or to have the other. And, you know, once, once you go flex fuel, you get, uh, you get methanol thrown in uh, free. I guess. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, so, and, uh, and, and, and you get, you know, that, that's relatively, uh, it's, it's a cheaper uh, liquid, isn't it? I mean, that, um, than, than ethanol, isn't it? Uh, uh, methanol is cheaper. Methanol does not, uh, it takes, I, I want to say this correctly, it takes more methanol to produce the same amount of energy, however. Okay. So you burn through methanol faster than ethanol, and of course you burn through ethanol faster than you burn through petroleum. Right. So, so that's that's one uh, one factor people uh, have to be aware of it when they're when they're looking at burning these alternative fuels is if you fill your car com- if you got a flex fuel car you fill it completely with gas it's actually gonna you're gonna get the the, the farthest miles on on that amount of per fuel. gallon. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you're gonna spend twice as much a gallon as you would ethanol. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it balances, or, or, or more. Rather. It balances out, but it comes down to this thing about how, you know not just. Uh, how much you're paying and how far you're driving, but also how often you have to fill your tank. These all become, these all become. Uh, yeah, you might, you might, you might spend a few more. Uh, you'll end up going by the, uh, the place more often. But I mean, if, let's say you had a flex fuel hybrid. You, you know, you'd, uh, you might not be going to the pump so much anyway. And exactly. So, um, it'll, Especially a plug-in hybrid. Right. You know, if you can get most of your driving done every day off what you've juiced it up with overnight, take it home. You know, you you, you might be looking at a Tank you only have to fill once a month or something. Yeah, even though you're, you know, the the energy that's the potential energy in the liquid you're putting in your car is less. So right. Anyway, it's it's yeah, it's an interesting future there, and that's. Uh, but anyway, I I do believe that you know expensive gas is here to stay. So um, if I, I guess if there's there's two potential positives that could come from this. Number one, world economy improves because more people are more are more mobile, and therefore you know. The economy, you know, there's more opportunity for more people to contribute to the world economy. That's what, I think that's a fine thing. But yep. and then the other thing is that we're, you know, forced, even though we would rather not to, maybe to consider other possibilities that ultimately may pay off big. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not all pessimistic. It's not I'm not all doom and gloom. Even though I think that the cheap car may affect our gas prices. I'm not doom and gloom about it. It, it may well affect our gas prices, although I'll give you one scenario where the price of oil may, may yet go down. Okay. How? That, that would be if the developed world got serious enough about flex fuels, if we really started developing alternative fuels seriously, um, OPEC might look at that situation and go, we've got to nip this in the bud, and they might drop the price of oil drastically just to uh, drown out the competition. Well, if, if, if the demand decreases, then, then all of a sudden they've got all this supply on their hands. Uh, then the price would drop, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, exactly. There's, that's the other. That's the other way it might happen. Yeah. 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 So they might do it uh, strategically, or they might end up having it happen just because. Uh, that's what the market says. Yep. Yep. Those, uh, both possibilities. Yep. Well, I, I I want us to get to our big news, Phil. Okay. I, we've, we've we've we're halfway through the show. We can we can on, we've kind of been hinting around this. Yeah. Absolutely. And. Uh, and I have I can't believe I have not blogged about this this week. I've not written about it at all. Well, this you know what? Until we talked about it before the show, I hadn't even heard about this. So this is uh, this is a huge sleeper story got past both of us. So well, tell me what's going on. It's a big big deal. Um, a company by the name of Sertris. Um, they they have been basically they've been looking at uh, the chemical that's in red wine, resveratrol. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've heard for years uh, that red wines drink good. red wine. Drink red wine. Uh, a glass a day is pretty good. A yeah. bottle a day is probably not so good. But you know, and and turns out there is something in red wine that's that's helpful to you. And come to find out, it's resveratrol is that chemical, and they've tested on various animals and on all the animal model, models that I'm aware of that's been tested on. Um, it it it's a life extension drug. Now, how does resveratrol extend an animal's life? What, what does it do exactly? It mimics the same chemical pathways that uh, calorie restriction provides. You know, right. you, know, you, you, you put on a, an animal on a near-starvation diet, and for some reason they live longer. Well, right. well, some animals anyway. We know it's yeah. been tested. It's been proved over and over with mice, for sure. That, right. Uh, you, you, 
you, you cut a mice, cut a mice, cut a mouse down to about what is it about sixty percent of what it would normally eat calorie wise? And, and quickly, if you if you took it down to like fifty nine percent, it shortens their life. You know, right, I mean, yeah. there's it's there, it's like a razor edge, but it, you put them right at that point of near starvation, right? And it increases their life, and so and, and considerably, you get yeah. you get mice living to the human equivalent of what 120, 130 years old, something. Yeah, like that. and uh, so you know, but unfortunately, that's not a lifestyle that any of us find pleasant. And uh, well, it would it would be a very hard thing for humans to do. Although some have tried, some, some have tried, trying. and some are doing it. There, there are people working on doing it. And um, although it's not been established one to one that it would work for humans. Right. I mean, and uh, so it seems like a lot of trouble to go through for those of us who like their che- cheeseburgers, and and I do. And so, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it seems like a whole lot of trouble for something that has not been proven. And so I'm not going to go there. And uh, but anyway, so. And, and Searcher sees this huge opportunity. Okay, what can we do to mimic this, what's going on with calorie restriction? Well, come to find out this chemical in red wine, resveratrol, does much the same chemically. And uh, so they said, well, uh, let's let's see if we can tweak it. They come up with a drug, um, this call, they, they call it SRT501. And it's like resveratrol that's five times as easy to absorb, okay? And okay. so it's, therefore it's more potent. And um, they they tried it in uh, they tried the human. And I, we knew that they were getting started with uh, with human trials last fall. We we covered that. We blogged about it. But this week uh, it comes out. Now we out, just say the human trials were for treating diabetes. Is that right? That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. Because I mean, human trials. Let's see if this makes people live longer. Well, let's. I will be back to you in fifty years. Yeah, right. You know, you can't do that. Uh, so what they do is they they okay. We know that as you get older, diabetes becomes a more serious problem. Right. So let's let's get a bunch of diabetics in here and give one a sugar pill and one group a sugar pill and one group uh, uh, this SRT five hundred one and see what happens. Well. Uh, in the group of 20 or so, I think it was like 23, uh, excuse me, no, 28. I'm looking at the article here. Uh, 28 people, that's not right, uh, excuse me, Twenty. it was a 28-day study. Oh, okay. Okay, but it was a small group of people. Um, in that 28-day study, they uh, they took it on a daily basis, and their blood sugars went way down. And so, um, obviously, it had an effect. And uh, And so... They're going to continue with the human trials, and that that was a big thing. They wanted to sh- they wanted to be able to say this drug has an effect, that it's not just uh, uh, it's, this is not just a placebo or something. This this has some a noticeable effect, and now they've got to you know prove that hey this doesn't hurt anybody, and and it it does good. It doesn't hurt you, and uh, therefore we have a marketable drug. They want to and and they're hopeful if all goes well that they'll have it on the on the market by 2012. I was just just looking at the at the article. It looks like it was sixty seven patients who were okay. In, thank you. Okay, so sixty seven patients in a twenty eight day study. Okay, had their blood sugar noticeably dropped. Now, one of the things that this makes me wonder is, did they know going in? They must have had some reason to think, not just that this is a. I mean, were they testing it as an aging drug, or did they have specific reasons to believe it would drop blood sugar, or were they just saying no because it makes you because it reverses aging or because it fights aging, this will lower blood sugar. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it hard to, I, I find it hard, I would find it hard to believe that they went into it completely blind. Yeah. They must have had some reason to believe that this would work on for diabetics. Right. But, you know, you, wonder, kind of, you know, why not cancer patients? Why not yeah, it, it, people with you know, glaucoma, right? I mean, there's, there's all kinds yeah, of things uh, associated with aging, but they went with diabetes. Uh, well, and you can, you can see why. I mean, there's a, there's a uh, from a... Going to market standpoint, there's a substantial market for diabetes drugs. So absolutely, I mean, with that, that makes sense. And and so you know, here we got this drug that helps people with diabetes. And so you know, we've often thought that you know, um, when we get our anti-aging drug, then then the cure for all these other things that are age-related will come along for the ride. Well, it looks like it may go the other way. We uh, you know we get aging, anti-aging along for the ride when we get. Something that helps us treat diabetes and and other age related illnesses. Interesting. Yeah, well, it can work. It can work either way. That's yeah. for sure. And so, um, you know, I had said back in 2004, I made this made this bold prediction. 
All right, well, let's hear it. Let's okay, hear my prediction in two, that, back in 2004, I wrote, it, I wrote on the blog, in 10 years we will have on, on the market the first generation of anti-aging drugs, so about 2014. And uh, so if this comes out, uh, I'll be right with two years to spare. So I'm kind of proud of that. Very, very nice work. So if these guys get their market, <laughs> even if they're two years late on their current prediction, you'll still be right. <laughs> that's right. Because, oh. it, you know, I, this is a drug that's, you know, thought to increase human life expectancy. And so, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy that this is coming along and uh, I'm very excited about what this could mean because first generation, uh, you know, it's not going to be perfect or great. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not going to reverse the aging process. It just might slow it a little bit and give you a little more time to reach the next generation of aging treatment. Right. And so that's uh, that's all you need, right? You know, you it's just just enough to get there. At some point, you just need uh, enough uh, enough gas to get you to the to the gas station <laughs> to, to the, the gas. top of the next hill, right? That's right. The next milestone. That's, that's right. the trick. Now, are there? Um, are, are are there speculations? Are there uh, thoughts as to what kind of effect this will have on the aging process for people? Or, or, or they, are are they saying? Or is they probably to... know, Phil. I, I just have to, you know, I just have to believe that somebody in a lab there at Sertris has a good idea, but they can't say it. You know, I mean, that's they got they got they got to play play this thing straight. Right. In order to bring something that's, you know, bring something to the market, you know, and um, and you can't you can't go off making all, all what could be perceived to be uh, unbelievable claims. Sure. Much better to deliver something to market um, that's much better than we realize. Absolutely. Than to than to not be able to deliver it at all because, you know, you made some sort of preposterous. It was perceived to be a preposterous claim. Well, I mean, about if, it. if if they were saying this will add 80 years to the average human lifespan, everybody go. Pfft. Yeah, we'd all say, well, okay. So yeah, you, you guys are out to lunch. This is snake oil. Although it would be terribly exciting if they were saying 10. Yeah. You know, I mean, if if um, if, if if they were saying that and somehow could back it up. But well, I, I guess they're I, I not going to say that is... until they can back it up. That's the point. You know, and here's just me completely. You know. You know, just making a guess, but I I believe that something somewhere in between, ten okay. and eighty. Okay. I you know I, and uh, oh and the other thing is, a searchers has announced that they're working on a a second compound that will have a thousand times the potency of resveratrol. And the, and the current one it, again is five hundred. So this will be twice no five no five times. Five times. Okay, so this will be two hundred times as potent as what they're currently testing on these folks. Right. And so wow. Buy stock in Sertris. I, I think I will. So yeah. let's see. Even if you know, you, you, you thought you, life, you thought Viagra was a block. Thousand years of your life, I think, yeah. according to my, uh, my yeah. mathematics. So <laughs> you heard it here for two thousand years added to your life. I, I, you know, I don't think it'll work quite like that. But it's, uh, yeah. Hey, I, I multiplied it out, Steve. <laughs> <Check my numbers. laughs> okay, math doesn't lie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll print the formula on the block. Okay. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a, it, this is a, this is a huge step forward, and it, it really is uh, neat to see this happening. I mean, to, for uh, you know, when we started out blogging um, the, just a few years ago, the idea that um, anti-aging treatments would be available in the future—that was something we could predict would happen—and yeah. not to see that the you know we're, we're that much closer to that being realized. That's this is a great example of what you were called practical time travel, Phil. Because I mean, we were we were we were living in a reality a couple of years ago when this was so, such pie in the sky that if I told members of my family, they thought I would checked out. You know, they thought I was crazy. And now I can you know put the article on their desk here. They've got it. It's you know, and it's been proven effective in humans. Right, and, and you know what they'll say? Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, I don't get any credit for that, but uh, for for knowing in advance. But yeah, because we're just we're hurtling into this future so fast that uh, it's it's hard to even. Uh, it, yeah, people. You know, it takes more and more to surprise people. Seems like. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the, uh, things things that they would have regarded as preposterous a couple of years ago are happening, and when they happen, they're not even all that surprising. Okay, yeah. yeah, well, there it is, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're I there. suppose they do those things. Huh? <laughs> so, yeah. The big they. Yeah, why don't they do, you know. Well, <laughs> exactly. they delivered big at this time. 
So. They absolutely did, and uh, and we can look for uh, we can look for more big stuff from them. Hopefully, in the very near future. Yep. Well, how about something a little less huge? Did you see the uh, piece I put up just today about mind reading via MRI? Yeah, I did. Um, and that you know, talk about here's another area that is advanced so fast. A lot of people didn't realize that this was happening. Um, like what? Six months ago, they were, you know, if they, they, you know, did a you know, MRI on somebody, they couldn't tell between, you know, if you were thinking about this category of thing or that category of thing. Now they're in subcategories. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but ex- give the specific example, Phil. Well, well, the 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 one that was mentioned in the, uh, um, in, in the article was that uh, six months ago, this couldn't reliably say whether you were thinking about faces or places. Okay, so you could be yeah. looking at a picture of. The Gulf of Mexico, or you could be looking at a, a picture of Madonna, and and it it couldn't tell the difference. It, it could not reliably tell the difference between those two things. Today, it can with 78% accuracy, and this is again, this is a this is a, a MRI scan of of the brain. They can now look at that and and tell within 78% accuracy whether you're looking at and thinking about a hammer or a pair of pliers. So we're down into the you know the weeds of the subcategories at this point. You know, this is a little bit spooky, Phil. It really uh, is. I mean, uh, you know, talk about Big Brother. Um, if they, if if you know, if some government decided to use this to, you know, um, interrogate somebody, it could be pretty effective, couldn't it? Well, absolutely. And in fact, the um, the the people who were quoted talking about it, the the, the organizations who are driving this kind of research, are law enforcement. This. This is seen as the, the the true technological way forward for uh, like a real lie detector, one that would really reliably work, and you know a, a means of finally getting at what's actually going on in somebody inside somebody's head, as opposed it's to it's not just a lie detector though. I mean, we got I mean what we have now is pretty good. It's hard uh-huh. to beat our our present lie detectors, but this is more. This would be the sort of thing that you hook up somebody to. And you get the information you need without them speaking a word. Yeah, that's right. It's more like a confession machine, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you just, you know, uh, no need for torture. I guess that's a positive. <laughs> you, hook, you hook up the terrorists that you capture, uh, you know, in Afghanistan or wherever, and you hook them up to this machine and say, oh, thanks, and uh, I got what I needed. Uh, you, know, you know, no need for waterboarding anymore. Well, yeah, I, I think we're... We're probably uh, still uh, iterations and, and generations away from that, although you make a few more leaps of the same caliber of what we just talked about, going from uh, not being able to hit even on the big broad categories to being able to hit down within the, 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 the details of, of categories. You, 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 you might actually see us moving towards the, the kind of thing you're talking about. Right now, it's like... You know, hey, this suspect is definitely looking at a pair of pliers right now. I mean, you know, you know. <laughs> well, that, I don't know how helpful that is. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, I think you, you're, you're still, you know, in this state anyway. That's still not well. You know, uh, you, you could say that you could say to the suspect, "How are you going to attack us?" And then you could look on the MRI and say, "Hmm, he's thinking about an airplane hitting a building." Right. Right. Okay. Uh, you could. That that would be helpful information. It would have been helpful information on September 10 a few years ago. Yeah, I think uh, you know. Of course, you got to have the suspect. Sure. Yeah, you got to know he's the suspect, and you got to know which question to ask. Right. And you've got to have this thing to the point where it's um, uh, it's spitting out that kind of open-ended information. I mean, right now they're they're saying, well, I know it's either a hammer or a pliers, and I can oh, say it's either or. It's yeah. not. You can't pick it out of the. Of all, all the of all possible, possible things. tools, or, yeah. yeah, and when you broaden that to all possible scenarios of crimes or all possible uh, human behaviors, um, still got quite a ways to go, I would think, before before this will have those things tend to surprise us, though. Well, I, I, this one already has. I mean, again, this is this is a huge step forward from from where they were even just a very short period of time ago. So, a year from now, we might be talking about uh, some huge breakthrough they've made on this. Um, or six months. We'll see. Um, let's move to a lighthearted topic for a second. Oh, uh, Phil. Well, it's not exactly lighthearted. Uh, Terminator. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if, if the apocalypse was lighthearted, then... Uh, more fun uh, escapist entertainment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, did you catch any of uh, the Sarah Chronicles? I, I, you know what? Uh, time zone-wise, that wasn't working out for me very well. I did catch a few minutes of it. I do have a TiVoing. Actually, it's, it's over. it ended right... 
Oh no, it's wait. It's, it's ending I'm now. Sure it's, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's, it's well, you'll happening. you will uh, you will enjoy it. I don't want to spoil anything for you, uh, but just to say that it that that show rocks and uh, catch it on your TiVo a little later. You know, one thing I can say without spoiling it for for you is that when I first heard that they were going to make a show called Sarah Connor's Chronicles, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles, um, I thought to myself, well, you know, I've seen Terminator Three; she's dead of cancer. You know, right. why, you know, why are we going to go back now and rehash, you know, what, you know, what happened to Sarah Connor right after Terminator Two? Right. That's that's when it's set, basically. It's well, it Terminator looks, 2 I, I was, just I, I did catch a few minutes of it. It looks like he's a few years older than he was in Terminator 2, but obviously not as old as in Terminator 3, and his mother's still alive. So it's that's somewhere right. between those two movies. That's right. It's uh, 1999. So what's the big deal? So it's before she died of cancer, right? Right. And, uh, and, and so, you know, you, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, why, why should I care? Well... It's the the show is very clever in handling that, and you will care, and so you will like this very much. And, and um, obviously, the production values can't be on par with a Terminator movie. They don't have they can't spend a hundred million dollars per episode, right? But I bet you they spend several million per episode, um, and it's 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 quite it's quite well. And if you happen to be a, a fan of Serenity, and, yes, and who isn't? Um, you will you will be happy with the show. Well, you can go ahead and say why that is. Well, I, the, the actress that play, portrayed River Tam uh, is in the show. She is a character in. In fact, we got a picture over there on the uh, on, on the blog. She's a character in the uh, uh, in the new Sarah Connor, Connor Sarah Connor Chronicles right program. And plays a teenager. I was just saying, uh, we were talking about this before the show. It seems like she's got a good run here of being a teenager. She's been a teenager for at least uh, the last, what, six, seven years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, my comment to that is there's worse things than... There's certainly it, worse things you can have than an extended uh, adolescent. That's right. I was thinking of poor Angela Lansbury. I think she played, like, Elvis's mother when she was Elvis's age. Yeah. You know, she she could play she she could play someone in her advanced middle years when she was like thirty. Right. So she know. played an old lady for fifty years. Yeah, she's kind of her career. Yeah. So yeah, one one could do a lot worse. So you're going to give it a thumbs up. You really oh definitely a thumbs up. Oh, and it's a two. I can tell you this without running anything. It's a two part pilot. It looks like uh, you'll you'll get to, you'll get to watch uh, the next part tomorrow night. So now one one of the things that. Um, just occurred to me as we were talking about this. Do you watch uh, Battlestar Galactica at all? You know, um, after uh, Starbuck died, I, I kind of lost interest in it. Um, she was, you know, she, to me she was a big deal, and they and they just threw that character away with such disregard. But now I'm seeing, you know, that same actress back on the show, and and so obviously I, I need to watch the show to figure out how that's possible. So Star- Starbuck did not die. I, ah. I, I, I don't know where you're coming up with Starbuck dying. I'm trying to think of now. When, because actually, when she oh, dived into the atmosphere. Oh, it, oh right. Oh, you're right. Towards the end of the towards the end of the last. Scene. Oh, you're right. She did die. But then, did wait? Oh, she, she was. Oh, okay. I, I'm with you now. Okay, and I, I don't know how it is that she's back on the show. She's a Cylon, and well, this is the, this is the thing. She amazingly reappeared. Uh, yeah. Spoilers all around here, ladies and gentlemen, for anyone who didn't see the end of. Uh, Season three, but yeah, she she miraculously reappeared at the end of the. Yeah, I'm sorry, she did die. Yes, and then miraculously reappeared at the end of the uh, at the end of the third season and declared that she's been to Earth, she knows the way, and she's getting ready to lead them all back to Earth. Well, that's cool. So, okay. but, but yes, but it raises all kinds of questions about. What it looked like she was gonna. It looked like she was off the show for good and was going to be on Bionic Woman. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that doesn't look like a long-term career choice. At this no, Bionic Woman. Uh, is it already off the air? Because it kind of sucks. Well, I don't know. A lot of things are on hiatus, what with the uh, writer's strike. I, I guess so. Uh, I didn't like Bionic Woman all that much. But, but well, you know what? I couldn't. I just couldn't get with it. She seemed too young or something. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just didn't work and for whatever reason. There's no uh, Lindsay Wagner, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Bottom line. But where I was going with that was um, um, Battlestar Galactica and Terminator have in common two major motifs. One is the robot uprising, right? and the other is the mother figure with cancer. That's true. So okay. these two shows have something in common. Now, how would you compare and contrast these 
two shows, having seen the pilot for uh, uh, the new Terminator series. How, how does it compare to Battlestar Galactica in terms of its handling of the uh, hard takeoff, uh, unfriendly AI singularity issues that both of these stories raise? Um, I think the time travel thing is what makes it such a mind-bending thing with okay. Terminator. Okay. Um, nothing is set in stone in Terminator. You know, you see, for example, the end of the world that you see in Terminator 3, um, well, that's just the end of the world for that timeline, you know. Um, as long as you've got time travel as a possibility, you can remake anything. And so anything that you see is always subject to change in the Terminator universe. Um, well, does, was, couldn't that easily become like a crutch? It could become like an easy way out for many uh, storyline that you paint yourself into. Yeah, that's with. and and you know, um, in, in the Star Trek uh, universe, um, Gene Roddenberry hated time travel for that very reason. You know, it's just too easy, you know, to to just use that as a crutch. And, and so, you know, two things he never wanted to happen: don't use time travel as a crutch. Right. You know, and which it was. It was used that way on yeah. a number of occasions. And also, uh, don't get too funky with the uh, with the transporter. You know, if if you if you if you did, you know, you beam somebody down to the surface of a planet, they get killed, the red shirt dies, and then, well, you know, we got his pattern in the buffer. Right. He can always just reconstitute red shirt number two, and he's ready to go in the next se- in the next show. And it, that means nothing really has any climatic. You know, n- nothing has any weight. Right. Know? When you, if if you can fix everything with time travel or a uh, um, you know uh, or the transporter, um, and so although that would make a very disturbing Star Trek episode if they were to if they were to do that. Well, we really need that guy, so just you know we'll just uh, whip out another one. Yeah. Uh, should we tell him? <laughs> no, 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 bothering. No. Um, but you're right. Um, yeah. So I guess that that is a ca- the case with Terminator, but you know they've never. Not in the movies, at least not not so far in the series. Have they? And they're going to have the opportunity to use it as a crutch. And so let's just see. I give them the benefit of the doubt. The pilot's certainly very good. So um, well, looking forward, looking forward to uh, to seeing that Terminator is big. Uh, I don't know, kind of a long-standing franchise for those of us who uh, follow this kind of stuff. Yeah, I I I have uh, been a big fan, huge fan of the Terminator franchise. I guess I must have been. I don't know, a freshman in high school? I mean, that's all, I mean, a lot of water under the bridge. Yeah, when did it come out? 85, 86, something yeah, like that? Something yeah, something like that, yeah. Right here, I'm, I'm approaching 40, and, uh, and you know, it's it's been around most of my life, oh, and it'll, longer than I've been an adult. Yeah, I've yeah, been a fan of it. So. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. That's for yeah. Sure. I noticed a little little tribute there. I believe there's the girl is named Cameron, is that right? Um. Cam- Is that a little James Cameron? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, tribute there, I think maybe that they've uh, thrown in there, having the uh, having the love interest named after the director of the uh, original movies. Does he? I thought it was. A, I thought it was a nice little tribute. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a tribute. It's just a nod to the nod to the fans of the movies that uh, the that the alias that Sarah used uh, uh, at one point in, in the pilot was Sarah Reese. And you know, Reese, uh, of, Reese of course, was our first savior in the original movie. Oh right! Oh okay, there it is. Yeah, and the father of the uh, John. No. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. John, John's father. Yeah. Was was Kyle Reese. Oh okay. Wow. Yeah. Now, that, now that's some good uh, Terminator trivia. Right yeah. There. there you go. There you go. And we got it. Somebody in the chat room says Terminator came out in eighty four. Eighty four. That, that sounds right. That sounds Thank right. Thank you, our astute chat room. <laughs> Folks standing by there with their almanac in hand, huh? That's or right. Well, actually, they Google. Can, they can Google it, or they Google might. Uh, hey, hey, we got a great audience. They probably know it. They just know this stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Smart folks. Any rate, but any, uh, that's that's some fun stuff there. Well, you you'd also mentioned another, uh, keeping it on the entertainment uh, side for a minute. I took the kids to a movie today. Is that right? Oh yeah, went to see Water Horse. Now, is that? Is that a sequel or is that the first one? Uh, no, first one. It seems it's like a, I've been seeing previews for this thing forever. That's why. I yeah, it's, I tell you, it was not a bad movie at all, um, and it got great reviews. I, I went like to Rotten Tomatoes to check it out, and you know, I had kind of a funny feeling it was going to not be all that great, and went and looked at the reviews, and it's got like you know, eighty eighty five to ninety percent. I, I forget exactly, but I mean, at a very high percentage 
of critics thought it was a fine movie. Oh, okay. I thought it was a little dull. Uh, I really did. Um, you know, I, I can pretty much tell you in like in ten words what happens. You know. Well, uh, let, let me let me try. I'll take a stab. Okay, I've, take I've, a stab at it. Yeah, you know, it can't be spoilers if you've never seen it. So that's right. You know, a, take kid, a, stab a, a kid adopts essentially the Loch Ness monster. It's not the Loch Ness monster, but it's some lake monster somewhere. Okay. And um, it is a Loch Ness monster. Oh, it is. It is actually the Loch Ness monster. Okay. Well, okay. I, I, I didn't know that from the preview. Um, All right. A kid adopts the Loch Ness monster and um, has to protect it from people who want to do experiments on it. Or something. I don't know what 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 happened. What, what uh, uh, it is set in World War Two. Oh, it's set in World. Uh, see, I didn't realize that either. Okay. So yep. this, it, oh, so wait. So does Nessie uh, fight the Nazis? I was hoping. Now that, now that would be kind of cool. That huh? would have been cool. Yeah. But no. But they didn't go there, and no. that's you know. I could tell that the writer of that movie was a bit of a pacifist, and you know, I don't have anything against pacifists. But come on, give me a little conflict, and if I'm going to spend, you know, lay out the money to come see the movie, I want, I want, I want to have some conflict to resolve. You right. Know? Well, plus if you're going to have a sea monster, I mean, you want it taken out of U-boat if possible. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. that, that would just be that cool would be to very cool to see that happen, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, just kick that, you know, put that fin around there, right into the side of a U-boat, and. There you go. That would have been cool. But, that that uh, would have been cool. But no, so what is the major drama? It's all family drama? or you Yeah, know? well, uh, you know how Free Willy ended? Yes. Free Willy, like, jumps over something? Yep, yep. Okay. You've seen this movie, though. <laughs> the end. Well, you know, I, I, I need to brag on one thing. Uh, well, a couple of things. The, uh, the period stuff looked great. Uh-huh. I mean, it really looked like a, a good period movie from World War Two. The other thing is the CGI, particularly of the young, uh, when the, right out of the egg creature, was so good. It's, it's, I mean, it's the best CGI creature effects I think I've ever seen. So this it, is it looked, there, it looked like a real creature. It looked like a real little Nessie. So there's more than one Nessie then. No. Well, but so this is saying Nessie's only been there since like World War Two. Um. One Nessie, one Nessie at a time, and uh, oh, there's one Nessie at a time. Okay, and uh, almost like a phoenix creature, you know, they they die and then the next one comes along, kind of thing. But anyway, huh. um, that's that was the deal. But anyway, that's a lot of time for us to spend on a movie that you don't really recommend all that. Not often. not all that highly. If you got kids uh, that, and you want something that's safe, family entertainment, that that certainly is. It's there's nothing nothing harmful for kids in that, and uh, it. I, my kids were entertained. I, I was was not particularly entertained. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. So there, a, a negative review. We don't give a whole lot of negative reviews. We, if we don't like it, we usually don't mention it. But uh, yeah, or sit through it. Frankly, yeah. but of course, you know, with the kids, you pretty much, you know, you're kind of, <laughs> you know, you're not going to go. Ah, oh, this is boring. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah, we're out of it. No, no. They, <laughs> they were. They, my my kids were riveted. They, they were. Really, uh, they okay. really were. They. Um, well, so it hit its target audience. Exactly. Yeah, so that's the important thing. Okay. Exactly. All right, well, Stephen, I think we have come to the end of our time here. Is there, uh, is there anything else briefly we wanted to touch on before we, before we wrap this up? Well, um, I, I, let me just uh, real quickly hit on something. Okay. Um, you know, we had uh, Tobias Buckeye last week, and we were kind of talking about the issue of sequels and non-sequels that are part of a series and all that. Right. I, um, you know, I, I walk into uh, my bookstore here, and the last couple of times I walked in the bookstore, there's been a novel out there like that they're really pushing. It's right up front. You know, you walk in the door, and they, you know, it's right up in your face. Uh huh. Um, the novel is World Without End. Okay. Okay. And the author and, is. And the author is Ken Follett. Ken, Ken if, Follett. If, okay. Uh, Follett. Is it, how do you pronounce? It? I, I always said Follett, but uh, F O L L E T T Follett or something yeah. like that. Anyway. And so I, you know, I pick up the book. Um, looks fascinating and everything. And you know, I, I, you know, go to the flap, the inner flap, and, and read the, what the critics have to say. And you know, like every one of the critics is saying, um, at long last, the uh, the follow up uh, to Pillars of the Earth, great, you know, uh-huh. you know, and and just you know, basically saying in their in their critique of the book that you know that they've been waiting 
for a sequel to Pillars of the Earth. Well, I go to the back. You know, it's not up in Pillars of the Earth is not up in your face like this new one is. Okay, right. So I, I dig it out of the sacks. You know, if they were any good at marketing, they'd have a bunch of copies of that out there. Too. It, they, yeah, they would have had that too. And and somebody obviously at the publisher thought the same thing because this was a brand new edition. Mm-hmm. That was made obviously to go alongside. It even had a similar design on the cover of this brand new edition as the as the follow up. Okay, right. But it, 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 the news didn't make it to Barnes and Nobles. But anyway, so I, I pick up Pillars of the Earth, and this thing was written in the you know in the late nineteen eighties. You know, okay. and um, uh, this is a, it's a science fiction story or no 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 this Ken this, Lott, he does this is a historical fiction. Okay, historical this, fiction. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, set in the medieval, you know, medieval period, um, one of the main characters is a guy who wants to build a cathedral. He's a master craftsman. Okay. okay. The thing is just fascinating. I um, I ended up buying it, and I guess my point is, people, you know, it was a, the sequel was a non sequel. Okay, and I could have taken the new book, like you know, much as Tobias has said of his own books, I could have taken the new book and read it and and not have had a poorer experience. But, you know, the reason I didn't, and I'm kind of glad I didn't, was, you know, if, if somebody's been waiting 20 years for a sequel, then maybe the original might be pretty good. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and th- this thing is absolutely great. I, I highly recommend it. It's Pillars of the Earth. And, uh, and the thing is like a tome. It's like a thousand pages. And uh, the author said he, you know, he... He said it was, it was a uh, it was he was taking a big risk with that particular book because he could crank out a thriller once a year and had been doing it for years and then he took like sure three, I think of I think of him as writing these spy novel type yeah and he does and yeah. and he he can he can reliably crank one of those things out every year and uh, and earn a you know earn great money for that well this is totally different from anything he's ever written and it took him three years plus and. Uh, and you know, instead of working five days a week, he was working like seven days a week. And the amount of the amount that went into it and the labor, he said he was just exhausted from it. And then he went back to writing thrillers for twenty years, and he finally came back and, and wrote a follow up because it's still the best selling book that he's ever written. And Interesting. Pillars is, and so um, anyway, the cast of characters in it so well, you know, realized and everything. It reminds me, although it's it's kind of a different genre from Neil Stevenson's work. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that level of, you know, that level of detail and immersion into that world. Kind of. Exactly, and so I highly recommend Pillars of the Earth. All right, and, and and so you recommend starting with the first book, and then moving on to the. Uh, That's what I'm doing, and I'm glad I did. Okay, well, I want to report. I'm 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 almost at the end now of Times I the first it turns out the actual first book in the uh, Time Odyssey series and uh, I, I'm really glad that I went back and started at the beginning. Hey, I, somebody in the comments uh, wrote uh, the comments writes uh, pillars I guess is a struggle between good and evil or, uh, or a struggle between good and evil erupts turning church against state and brother against brother. <laughs> okay, very nice. Uh, somebody uh, obviously uh, has has read it. So uh, great book. Outstanding. Yeah. Okay. Well, so highly, highly recommended. I, all I can say about uh, Times Eye is that uh, it uh, it does, in fact, deliver on a battle between. Here's a spoiler coming. A uh, battle between uh, Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan. So, okay. If you ever wanted to read that, this is your book, right? <laughs> well, all right, Stephen. Well, I think that does that does do it for tonight. Then, unless uh, unless we had something else, we. Right, well, we you know we could go on and on, but I think this is a good place to stop, Phil, and when. We'll, we'll get into more stuff uh, next week. Well, it, what's fun is we we made the news our guest, and yet we 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 didn't get very deep into uh, you know the news just has so much more like what, all of our guests uh, there was just so much more we could have uh, we could have touched on. But hey, we've got uh, uh, you know as as we noted earlier before the before the show started, I think that we may have now done as many fast forward radios on Blog Talk Radio as we had done total using all the different uh, formats. So we got a lot of. Uh, a lot of shows before us here, and we'll uh, we'll have plenty of time to get to these other topics. That's great. Well, we do have some music tonight. What do we got? Codaphonic um, is the band, and the uh, song is Sun Versus the Moon. Sun Versus the Moon. All right. Well, we'll look forward to listening to that. And, uh, Stephen, it was great talking with you. Look forward to talking with you again next week. Thank you yep. for all of you listening in. We'll see you on the next Fast Forward Radio. Good night. Thank you.
A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.